Welcome to Machine Learning. You know, uh, would like to talk about the paradox of chasing profits. Survival is overrated. The reason I say that is if you only have survival on your mind, then you are just the same as an addict because an addict is a great survivor. Every time he needs to take a drink, he thinks it's a matter of life and death to get that item, and he does whatever it takes to get the next drink. Survivor mentality can be replaced with faith in Christ. Now, let me explain a little bit more on this topic as it relates to companies. So what I want to do is I want to uh, read a scripture from 3 Nephi. I want to talk about digital. I want to talk about why digital um, failed to realize the larger market. And then I want to talk about the $10 computer. Okay, so in 3 Nephi 13, it says, But lay up yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For there where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, and if there thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will lay hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And now it came to pass that when Jesus spoke these words, he looked on the twelve whom he had chosen and said unto them, Remember the words which I have spoken, for behold, they whom I have chosen to minister unto this people. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than remnant? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into his stature? And why take ye thought for remnant? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spoil. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one unto these. Therefore, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, even so will he clothe you, if you are not of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, wherewith ye shall be clothed? For your heavenly Father knoweth what you need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient is a day unto the evil thereof. Wonderful. And Christ is the is a wonderful um way to free ourselves from the incredible burden of inflation because we are becoming poorer. Each day inflation uh, increases, that's less money that we have in buying power, and we have become poorer, so we have to look to Christ in order to get through this. 
Okay, now I want to go to the second thing. And, and I love that. I love what Christ said. It makes me feel great. Every time I read that, I, I just say to myself, I don't need to survive. I don't need to, I don't need to do everything to keep food on my table and a house over my head. Um, I just need to be faithful, focus my life on Christ, and everything will work out. Heavenly Father will provide for me. And, you know, that's also um, the way of the addiction recovery and healing through Christ is that we admit that we are powerless to control these things and that we surrender our will to a higher power, which is God, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, I want to talk about the paradox, which is um, the paradox digital had. So digital... And I remember working on a digital machine. I had an Oracle instance running on it with a Windows NT. And it had, um, I think it had four core in it. And four processors. And it was a $64,000 machine. And it was great. I loaded the software. It had plenty of memory. It was fast. And again, as I stated, it was a $64,000 machine. And... The alternative was to run Oracle on a, on the VAX mainframe and uh, program to the mainframe. But uh, in this case, we, we could do our programming, which we were writing in a Microsoft front end, and uh, we could do our programming directly to the in the Windows uh, IIS server uh, and do our, I think our connection was ODBC and our reports were crystal reports. Okay, so we had the, the power of, of Oracle and it took a lot of CPU and it took a lot of memory to run. And I remember thinking, this is really cool. This is really valuable. I mean, the, you know, the functions and features of NT were, were new, but they, they're a lot like uh, Windows 10 is today. And um, the look and feel was was easy to understand, and administration had a Windows based, and I could also uh, do things from within a command prompt if I wanted to, and run scripts uh, and, and views um, directly to the database. Well, digital focus was on the high end margin, which is the customers who had demand. And I remember at the time that Microsoft said that they had run on a Windows NT server, had run SQL Server, and um, but did it using massive parallel processing and got the one some of the fastest speeds, most transactions per second uh, uh, that had had been accomplished. I think it was the number one and this was back in the 1990s. Um, and so it was pretty impressive because they had ported SQL Server, which was Sybase, to SQL Server. And, and then they had then run this SQL Server on a Windows NT and uh, accomplished mainframe speed and performance. So that was fantastic. And I thought to myself, digital has got a promising future. And I think digital thought that same thing. They thought, well, you know, the world's getting more data intensive. They're going to want 
more powerful servers and uh, Windows NT is a is a nice GUI interface. Your alternative would have been uh, X Windows or or um, Motif running on Unix, and but the Windows uh, operating system had developer tools languages. You had C, C plus plus, C sharp, not C sharp, but you had um, um, Visual C plus plus, and Fortran, COBOL. And, and back in those days, and so um, developers could program functionality um, in a Windows environment, and it was real rich, and the development tools um, were really simple, understandable, but you could build things with them. And I, you know, and at that time, Delphi was coming out, and. And uh, that would have been the precursor to C Sharp. And they had a really great interface. You could build a really good tool. But they didn't have a large development um, pool. Whereas Microsoft had millions of developers that were developing VBXs, OCXs, DLLs. And uh, they hadn't gone to cloud, but you could could deport, um, I mean, you could port your code onto an IIS server running on a hosted site um, on the internet. Universities were doing that, and so they were kind of powerful, but they were dominated by Unix uh, operating systems. And so when I saw digital, I thought, well, this is really great. I mean, digital's, um, you know, is a great alternative to the Unix, and Microsoft is uh, hadn't gained uh, the... not. Um, Status as the back office or office suite, uh, servers, business servers. Hadn't really gained that presence yet. But um, you could see with Windows NT that they were understanding threading better. Um, They were understanding multiprocessing. And it was a big step forward. And there was a lot of promise. So what happened? Well, what happened was this um, Intel came along and built a a um, Intel chip, the, and then later it became the Pentium chip, so the 286, 8088, uh, 286, 386, 486, and then the Pentium chips series, and then later on Xeon. So these chips um, began to provide a lot of computational power for their cost, and you couldn't quite you couldn't quite do mainframe things on it. I remember when I fought it, bought my Tandy. It was a five hundred dollar machine. I could run my micro, um, I think it was microservice Cobalt, and I was taking Cobalt classes. And it you know before I had to run all my Cobalt and compile it and everything on the a, um, IBM three hundred and sixty, later AS four hundred. But I could also do the same thing with. Uh, my co- my Tandy running um, um, a microfocus COBOL version, and so I was writing COBOL code and and running my compiles and I was just trying to build a little tax program. And at that time, I noticed that there were a lot of companies that were building accounting software. One of which was um, Salesforce and NetSuite, which. NetSuite you don't hear too much about, but I mean they were an online accounting 
service at one time. And um, so there were some big ideas that were starting to form, but you could you really couldn't build um, an ERP with your Tandy. It was just too much. You could build segments. You could build some functionality. You could build some simple games. Uh, you could do run some equations. You could do some math. It did. It did. It was more than a calculator. You definitely could do much more than a programmable calculator with your Tandy. But at the same time, it was just kind of a a novel idea, and it wasn't. It wasn't an IBM. It wasn't an Intel machine based. It was specifically Radio Shack, and then. I think that started to catch people's attention. Uh, you had the introduction of the Apple IIe around the, somewhere around that time in the Macintosh. And Apple began to take more of a serious approach for the, this consumer, a little bit more expensive. There were some that were more kind of almost computers like a toy or introduction. I programmed on the Apple IIe and I programmed an Apple Basic and I learned how to deal with memory, graphics, um, a lot of the hardware, and um, I had access to do lots of programming, and I loved it. I had 101 games to program. So here you get a machine that had some level of functionality that uh, more modern machines now have, and we were writing in uh, language close to assembly because you were working with memory addresses and and uh, data structures and uh, logic structures and so forth. And I learned how to do arrays and I learned how to do for looping. And it was kind of neat to learn how to control the machine. Before there was just one machine and uh, it was uh, a Commodore. And I remember, you know, having to wait in line to use a Commodore at school. And everyone wanted to uh, would bring in their cassettes and they, and they would run their programs to see what the Commodore could do. And but you were, you had very little time uh, to access, and it was the same thing with the IBM three hundred and sixty with COBOL. Is you had very little time to access the machine. So as the uh, the paradox is, is that these this this entry level to the common group. Uh, the barrier, the price barrier dropped to the point far below what business was paying because business would pay three th- to $5,000 for these business machines to run their accounting software. Um, but the consumer could buy a, 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 a kind of a trimmed down version of that machine, no hard drive for maybe $500. And so you could run off floppy disk. And so that market captured a large number of consumers. And little by little, you started seeing a lot of different um, companies now starting to enter into the space and competing. And eventually you see the introduction of AMD and um, uh, I think it was Cyrus. I, I don't remember the chip. It was a, a different chip set. And now you have ARM. I mean, ARM's been around for a long time, but not not taken seriously until lately. And it's low energy, high high computation capabilities, uh, kind of like the risk architecture that we saw with the Sun Microsystems, where it was um, using this risk architecture and getting very good performance, uh, very good 
it could I remember working on a risk machine and having 32 people connected to it and they were playing games and they were running their X windows and doing compiles and everything and it was keeping up and so you had the uh, someone to administrate to it do the backups check the systems make sure everything was uh, was good and uh, and that that system was a, a, a really powerful machine now you see Apple moving to the arc uh, arm architecture and so here we we're seeing almost like a server-based power in a laptop now we don't connect it to the network and we don't run dumb devices against that one laptop but I don't see why you couldn't. Um, let's say that you know that you have uh, a, a tower, and you want to connect to your iPads, and you want to run really intensive, powerful applications on the tower. Then you can set up your Apple network, and you can run those computations off the tower. Now, one other thing that I I found, and I was talking about yesterday on this paradox, is Python. Now, I was reading today that Python scripts can be run inside Power BI. Huge. That's huge. And if you're th listening to this, you should immediately uh, go run your, your, um, uh, your Power BI and put some Python script in there, run it, and uh, do some machine learning, and then combine your machine learning predictions inside of uh, Power BI and distribute that out and get get comfortable encoding in the environment between Power BI and machine learning because I think that that is a better way to introduce machine learning into a company is through Power BI and Microsoft really got it right there. Um, what it needs to do is now transfer all of their software development tools to have something similar where you can write Pythonic code that does everything that C-sharp does. So Pythonic code for your uh, REST, REST API, your GraphQL, uh, port it all over to Python. Make it really quite simple. Uh, same thing with REST or uh, with Link. Port it all into a Pythonic uh, way of dealing with your data. Give it uh, a pandas-like feel or just integrate pandas directly in with uh, the code that you're dealing with the database and make it uh, make the asynchronous very simple and make the uh, handling um, all the all the tasks that way really simple so um, and so what happened then was digital um, had a uh, uh, what? Your dinner's ready. Okay, thanks. I'm, I'll be in. The, okay, so I'm gonna sign off. Dinner is ready, and uh, and so as a result, uh, soon the these devices became they passed up and eventually caught up to where uh, the mar the high paying customers functionality was, and it did it in a in a short period of time. But the companies that provided that gained extreme wealth and market uh, presence and disrupted the digital company or the compact companies, put them out of business, 
and the the and that is why you see now Apple at almost three trillion dollars in market valuation is because they understood the power of the consumer, and yet even they have said uh, stated that their profit margins are around sixty percent, and the price that they want to sell their devices around $1,000. But that leads me to the $10 machine. So if Google will not be greedy, they could create a $10 machine. And the way you do that is a, a little microprocessor, a microphone, and you don't even need to have a screen. I guess if you wanted to do a uh, plastic ink screen color, um, for a few dollars, maybe you could do that. But um, it would have a microphone and a speaker, and you could talk to it, and it would communicate either by 5G to uh, a Google server, and the AI would do everything. So you just talk to it. So if you want to do dictation, you don't have to do any complex dictation. GPT-3 or 4 will... Um, interpret what you're reading it'll analyze the context and it'll uh wordsmith it for you make it more clear and uh, read it back to you if you want to see a movie gpg3 can look up the movie stream the image to your uh, digital plastic and you can watch the movie but you shouldn't have to tap anymore you can talk and the the thing is, is why is it so expensive? Well, again, we're, we talk about this entry-level paradox is the company that can make the $10 computer but have the expensive AI on the background. Eventually, the quantum computing combined with the um, new architectures and fifth-dimensional data storage, etc., will become in play and so instead of exabytes of data, we may even go to zettabytes and um, huge amounts of data that is being transmitted. And because now the world as a whole can start uh, using the AI for things that are useful. And as they do that, uh, and as AI becomes more uh, capable, you'll see that it can do a lot of features and functions that only you would pay someone, a company, maybe $50,000 a week to run their Cerebrus 800,000 core machine to provide. And so uh, as computational power increases, then these features will soon become available on the cheap.